comes not except to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that you might have and enjoy life, life in abundance until it overflows. Discover how to live the abundant life in Christ through the ministry of Pastor Oseyao Afwakwa. Pastor Afwakwa is the founder and general overseer of Embassy of Life Chapel, a thriving ministry headquartered in Kumasi with a network of churches in Kumasi and Accra, Ghana. God has commissioned him to train believers through the teaching of the good news of the kingdom to know God better, live life better, and impact the world better. Get set for an empowerment that will enable you to live a life of all-round victory, success, and limitless prosperity. God bless you as you listen. Praise the Lord. Alright, come with me to the book of Ephesians. That's what we've been doing for some time now. We've been exploring the book of Ephesians. That's what we have been exploring. Ephesians chapter 1 and verse number 1. Ephesians chapter 1 and verse number 1. We began this journey, I think, about four months ago. And I'm going to put it on hold for uh, something else, and then I'll come back to it. So, in one month, we could only deal with one verse. Amen? That is how powerful and rich the book is. That's what I told you, that if we have to stay with this book, we may have to do it for the next, like, five years. If you are doing verse by verse study, it's such a rich book. It, they call it the bank of the Christian faith. The bank, that's what they call it in, they describe it in theological circles, the bank of the Christian faith. It's a super rich book. Amen? And for me, it's one of my favorite epistles. That is one of my favorite. I almost go through it almost every day, particularly since this teaching began. And I encourage you to do the same. I told you that you have to learn to study the book. Somebody say, study the book. How many of you were here on Wednesday? Now, if you want to amount to much, and fulfill your destiny in Christ. One of the things you need to place premium on is knowledge. Somebody say knowledge. knowledge. Say knowledge. knowledge. I really don't have much respect for people who don't value knowledge. If you don't value knowledge, because I checked in the Bible, I realized that God does not even respect people who don't value knowledge. God is not excited. When we are praising and you are dancing, and we are preaching and you are sleeping, God is not excited. When knowledge is being imparted, you have to stay alert and alive. Am I communicating here? Knowledge is powerful. He said, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. My people, my people, not the people, that, my people are destroyed. Marriages are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Finances are destroyed for lack of knowledge. There are people who can stay behind the screen that has no value to them and they will watch it for three hours without blinking an eye. But they come to church and after some few minutes, in fact, sometimes just when you start preaching, it's as if it's the devil that wants to sit on them. An usher must be on them to tap them every second for them to stay alive. No, no, no. If you do that, Satan will just waste your destiny. You have to sit up. So we started by looking at that text and we want to finish it up today with the introduction. Somebody say introduction. Okay, so the series is exploring the book of Ephesians and we are looking at introduction to the book of Ephesians, part four. So I want to encourage you, be there and be here with someone. Okay, so we are coming to it. Somebody say, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, to the saints who are in Ephesus and faithful, where? Faithful in how many inns are in the text? Let's quickly look at it. How many inns are there? How many inns are there? Two. The first one is where? In. And then the second one is in. All right. So he addressed the letter. Though I've already told you from the introduction that uh, in most of the biblical manuscripts that has been discovered, it's been realized that the word Ephesus does not appear in the original. But the significance of it cannot be overruled. 
The word Ephesus does not appear in the context that is believed among theologians that it was not addressed specifically to the church of Ephesus only, but it was addressed to all churches in Asia Manor at the time. And the church of Ephesus was a part. That is the theological position. But the most important thing I want to draw your attention to is that, and uh, on the other side, you could also see that the Holy Ghost designed the letter to be for all faithful people in Christ. The letter was addressed to people in Christ. Somebody say people in Christ. So you look at that. Look at that with me. He said, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, to the saints who are in Ephesus and faithful in Christ Jesus. So the letter is addressed to people in Ephesus. If we choose to take them out, agree with Bible scholars, it will mean that the letter is addressed to people who are in Christ Jesus. Can we read that together? Let's take Ephesus out and read it together. One go. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, to the saints who are the saints who are the saints who are faithful in Christ Jesus. Do you get that point? So that's it. To the saints in Christ Jesus. The word I want to focus on today, I've talked about Paul. We have looked at the city and the church of Ephesus. And last week, I gave you a general overview of the book. We said that the book can be divided into how many parts? How many parts can it be divided into? Three. It can be divided into three parts. We have the wealth of the believer. Somebody say the wealth of the believer. And that is from chapter 1 to chapter 3. We have the wealth of the believer. And then chapter 4, verse 1 to chapter 6, verse 9, we have the walk of the believer. Somebody say the walk of the believer. And then, of course, number 3, we have the warfare of the believer. And that is from verse 10 to verse 24 of chapter 6. Somebody say an amen. amen. All right. So that's it. And like I told you, take me back to the text, please. The letter had a local audience and had a global audience. Somebody say a local audience and a global audience. The local audience had to do with all the churches in Asia Minor. The global audience had to do with all those who will come to place their faith in Christ Jesus. That is it. So that is what the letter is about. The believers then and the believers now. The first century Christians and the 21st century Christians all can benefit from the letter of Ephesus. Today, the focus on my teaching is know where you belong. Somebody say, know where you belong. Turn to your neighbor and say, know where you belong. Yeah, you need to know where you belong. Somebody say, I know where I belong. By the time we are through with this service, you know where you belong. Say a better Amen. Say a better amen. amen. All right, come with me to the book of First Corinthians, chapter 15, verse 20 to 22. 15, verse 20 to 22. He said, Let's read it together. One go, but now, wait, let's start it again together. Everybody, lift up your eyes, read from the screen together. One go, but now Christ is risen from the dead and has become okay. For sins. Hold on. By which man came death? Okay, let's go to verse number 22. Let's go. For us in Adam. Read that again. For us in Adam. How many ins are in the text? Two, just like the first verse of Ephesians. There are two in there. He says, for us in Adam all die. Even so in Christ all shall be made alive. Now look at it. The construction is very important. He says, for us in Adam all died. Then he says, even so in Christ all shall be made alive. That means that uh, if you are going to be made alive, it's not automatic. There is... You, the, the, you, you shall be made alive. There is a certain aspect you have to do. As for in Adam, all died. Whether you want to die or not, you are dead. When we get to the book of Ephesians chapter 2, maybe you should take me there briefly. Let me just give you a teaser. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 1, he tells you, in Adam, all died. So in Ephesians chapter 2, 
Verse 1, he tells us that you were dead in your sins and trespasses. Look at that. And you he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins. Okay, so we all died. We all died. Chapter 2 verse 1 says, you he made alive. You will get the context better. When we get, we begin to dig deep into the book. When you got born again, when Jesus met you, you were not living, you were dead. People have it difficult to accept that salvation is a free gift of God. People have it very difficult. They can't believe that eternal life is a gift. They can't believe that. Meanwhile, scripture says it clearly. I mean, Romans chapter 6 verse 23. In my religious moment, my religious time, I struggle with that as well. To accept the reality that salvation is a gift, there must be a human contribution. There is no human contribution whatsoever. Heaven is not a place we get there by works. Heaven is a place that is gifted to us. Can somebody say an amen? amen. Say an amen. amen. Romans chapter 6. Listen, you begin to have problems with God, with yourself, and with your faith when you begin to read human sentiments and feelings into the word of God. Take the word of God raw and feed it all. Say, take it raw and feed it all. Yeah. Romans chapter 6, verse 20, it said, for the wages of sin is what? But the gift of God is what? The gift of God is what? The gift, somebody say the gift. The gift of God is eternal life. It's a gift. Eternal life. I mean, for people, there are people who have been in Christ for so many years and they can't simply understand that heaven is not a place we end. Heaven is a place that is gifted to us. And Ephesians helps you to understand that because Ephesians tells you that he made you alive when you were dead. Now, what has a dead man got to offer? So when you read Ephesians chapter 2, verse 7 and 8, it says, by grace ye are saved through faith and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Why? Because you were dead. You couldn't have contributed a penny. You were dead. You were dead. So you could not contribute one dime. You were fully, fully, fully dead. For by grace you have been saved. Through faith and not of it is the gift of God. Not of works lest any man should boast. The reason why he could say this is because you were dead. When he quickened you, you were dead. You didn't have a contribution. I've had some people come and say, ah, in fact, I was speaking with somebody the other day. And he was telling me that, listen, listen, if you preach it like this, people would have uh, license to misbehave. I said, listen, then God is giving people license to misbehave. Because it is not my word. It is God who spoke it. Your holiness, your wearing of long skirt is not what will take you to heaven. Your holiness is important. Your purity is important. But that's not your ticket to heaven. Your own righteousness can never take you to heaven. What takes you to heaven is your faith in Christ Jesus. When you believe in Christ and you trust in his finished work on the cross, heaven is credited to you. That's Bible. That's Bible. I'm not uh, getting into that. I'll, get, I'll come into it because we'll come back to the book in the course of the month. I may just do one series and next month I'm looking at responding to the grace of God. That's what I'm likely to do. How to respond to the grace of God because I realize that since we started I've not uh, uh, moved in the grace I mentioned. And I'll get into it a bit and I'll come back. And I've told you that this grace is going to be here for some time so don't worry about it. That's why I'm also not in a hurry to rush you into it. So you see that's what the Bible is saying. Let's go back to chapter uh, where we read. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 22. For us in Adam, somebody say, us in Adam. Us in Adam. Say, us in Adam. Us in Adam. All, died. all died. Even so in Christ, all shall be made alive. Say, I'm alive in Christ. Say, I'm alive in Christ. You are alive in Christ. All shall be made alive. Now, I want you to understand this. There are people who think that when God looks at humanity, he sees us as Americans, he sees us as Europeans, he sees us as Caucasians, he sees people as blacks, as Nigerians, and then if you come to Ghana, God sees us as Ewes, God sees us as Ashantis, God sees us as Gans. Let me show you today. I want you to see how God sees people everywhere. In the eyes of God, there is no black or white. If you really want to know who God looks like, <laughs> look at yourself. Did you hear what I said? God looks like me. God looks like me. It's not blasphemy. God looks like me. I'm made in his image. He made you in his image. So you'll find your image in God. I'll find my image in God. That's how amazing God is. God looks like me. <laughs> Think about that before. <laughs> now listen. 
God doesn't see humanity in that. There are two camps that God, all of humanity is grouped into. You are in one of those two camps, rich or poor, illiterate or illiterate, scholar or non-scholar, lawyer or a complainant, defendant, doctor or patient. Everybody is classified in two major groups. One is the camp of Adam. Somebody say the camp of Adam. The first camp is the camp of Adam. Somebody say the camp of Adam. Now, so he says, for us in Adam, that is one camp. And then the second camp is, as so even so, all shall be made in Christ. So we have the camp of Adam, and then we have the camp of Christ. Somebody say the camp of Adam. And the camp of Christ. Say the camp of Adam. And the camp of Christ. Now please get this at the very foundation, because you see, when we looked at the wealth of the believer, the work of the believer, and the warfare of the believer. Our emphasis here is going to set the foundation for the wealth of the believer. Somebody say the wealth of the believer. And listen, the reason why you need to know where you belong is because your wealth as a believer is in Christ. Somebody say it's in Christ. Say my wealth as a believer is in Christ. Say my wealth as a believer is in Christ. Say it with boldness. My wealth as a believer, it's in Christ. Yeah. The wealth of the believer is tied to his position or location in Christ. That's where all the riches of his grace you experience. Where you are in Christ. Where you are in Christ. Look at First Corinthians chapter 3, verse 21 22. Therefore, let no man glory, men, for all things are yours. Somebody say, All things are mine. He says, Whether Apollos or Paul or Cephas or the world or life or death. All things are yours, and ye are Christ, and Christ is God's. Now, listen, just as the wealth of the believer is in Christ, the wretchedness of the sinner is in his location in Adam. The wretchedness of the sinner. Somebody say the wretchedness of the sinner. Say the wretchedness of the sinner is in location in Adam. So, listen, this thing with God, location is everything. Somebody say location is everything. This man taught me that when you are dealing with real estate, location is everything. That's one of the things I picked from him. If you are dealing, you want to invest in real estate, location is everything. Location. No matter the kind of property you have, it is wrongly located, the wealth will be down. And when it comes to our riches in Christ, location is everything. So you have to be so conscious of that location. All the time, remind yourself, I'm in Christ. Your confidence, your faith will never waver. No demon can stand you when you are conscious of the fact that you are in Christ. No curse can have a hold on you. Am I communicating? No habit can stop you when you come into the reality of your consciousness that you are in Christ. The man in Christ is simply unconquerable. Can somebody say an amen? Amen. Location. Where did Adam's fear begin from? When he left his location. You remember God came to Adam. He said, Adam, where are you? Location, where are you? Where are you? The moment Adam was wrongly located, fear entered. A lot of us are dealing with things because we have been located by Christ, but we are not conscious of it. For us, it's not wrong location, but we are not conscious or we are not well informed about it. Look at the prodigal son. His wretchedness also began from location. When he took his inheritance and then traveled off, <laughs> the inheritance was good, but the location was better. There are people who sometimes, out of anger and disappointment and offense, they leave the place God has ordained for them. And they go struggling. Sometimes God has planted you in a church. You are being fed with the word of God. You are getting blessed. Out of offense, you say, I'm going. Every church is a church. You will soon find out that it's not the same you will soon find out that it's not the same. Adam, where are you? Somebody say, where are you? you? That's critical. You have to know, where are you? Right now, where are you as you are seated here? When I ask you, where are you? You are most likely to say you are in the embassy of life. Is that right? Uh Uh-huh. But do you know that you are seated in heavenly places in Christ? (laughs) Pastor Sami has uh, this response to greeting that sometimes... I, I find so interesting. When sometimes I, I call and say, Charlie, how far? Usually that's how I engage him. I say, how far? He say, far about principalities and powers. <laughs> I like it because, you see, it's reminding him of his consciousness that he's far about principalities and powers. Power about principalities and powers. 
every time he responds. You see, when we give a prophetic greeting, some of you don't understand what we are talking about. You still greet good morning. You still send what's up good morning. You see, you are here to enter into this thing that we are in. That's why I know who has caught the spirit of the house and who does not have it. We say, grace to you. I receive it now. Grace abounds. I'm empowered for life and godliness. And I'm getting empowered every day. I'm getting empowered every day. Empowered every day. Why? Because you eat of the fruit of your mouth. The kind of schedule I keep and I maintain. Now, if I will not be conscious of my position in Christ, I will die before my time. I will die before my time. The past 24 hours, I slept for almost, uh, like, just about uh, two hours. 24 hours. 24 hours. Slept, I think, around uh, uh, just about 10 thereabouts. And then I was meaning to sleep. I actually set alarm to sleep uh, until about uh, 3 for a Saturday. By 11.30 or so, my eyes were open. And it has been open since. It's been open since. And I'll be here till somewhere in the evening. And you slept seven hours. You are sitting, I'm standing preaching, and you can doze. You see? No, there's something wrong somewhere. Something is fundamentally wrong somewhere. And it needs to be corrected. And it can only be corrected through the teaching of God's word. I'm telling you. You see, I usually I don't like to come out about my schedule because sometimes if you don't understand things, you, you may just read some things into it. This woman knows now. <laughs> she has managed to now be able to retain me in the house a little bit. What? Challenge? Yeah, because at 11, 2 a.m., 1 a.m., the moment my eyes open, if there is a car, off I come here, and I'll be here, moving up and down, praying and studying. That, that is a schedule. That is not run by human energy and human might. It's not, it's not. When I meet people who can't come into the fake dimension of living, I fear for them. Because, you see, life will certainly one day bring you to a place where you will only have to operate by faith. You see, faith is not an instant thing. Faith is something, it's a practice. It's a way of life. The Bible says, let us hold fast to the profession of our faith. Hold fast to the profession. And if you don't practice, your faith will never grow. Your faith will never grow. Your faith will never grow. If you don't practice faith, your faith will never grow. I don't live with drugs. No, 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 no. I don't live with drugs. There is no drug I take that I'm on drugs. No, no, no. The energy I have is divine energy. Amen. Of course, I exercise. But that, 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 that kind of, there are people who exercise and they fall down and they die. John Emisata, what did he not get? What, what kind of specialist medical care did he not have? Yet he died. He was in the gym exercising. He died. So you see, bodily exercise profited later. But godly exercise is profitable. When you wake up in the morning, and between the, whatever time you wake up, you spend about 30 minutes. Libra dusha, liga bandeva, lucende de tatuta, limbra de. By the time you finish, your spirit is charged. You come alive. There is no challenge that will confront you in the day you will not have answer. If you want to live in the natural, you will be frustrated. You will be frustrated. That's for another day. We are talking about my location. Somebody say my location. My location. Say my location. my location. Where are you located? In Christ. Somebody say I'm in Christ. I'm in Christ. Say I'm in Christ. I'm in Christ. Now let's quickly look at it. You have to understand this thing called our place in Christ. The phrase in Christ Jesus and derivatives like it. When I say derivatives, anything that suggests the same. Okay. So the Bible says, to the saints who are in Ephesus and faithful in Christ Jesus. Alright? So, in Christ Jesus, we have other phrases like, in him, through whom, in him, through whom, by him, in the beloved, with him. When you see all of such phrases in the epistles, he's talking about our place in Christ. Somebody say, our place in Christ. Say, my place in Christ. Say, my place in Christ. Now, listen. The phrases like that, they occur 165 times in the Pauline epistles. When we talk about Pauline epistles, we are talking about the epistles that Paul wrote. And for the sake of maximizing time, I didn't want to stretch it. That's why I didn't walk you through all the Pauline epistles. But I would find time and walk you through the subsequent ones, you see. Now, out of this 165 times, it occurs 27 times in the book of Ephesians. In fact, the book of Ephesians is called the Identity book of the Christian. The identity book of the Christian because in that book, it shows who a true Christian is and how a true Christian is supposed to behave. 
So it shows you who you are and it shows you how you ought to live your life. Beautiful. The whole book of Ephesians, the six chapters in the book of Ephesians, they can be divided into two. Who you are and what you are supposed to do. Who you are and how you are supposed to live. I'm not communicating here. You see, you don't have to be the rich living like a pauper. I like it. The Bible said there was a rich man who fed sumptuously every day. There is a way rich people live and there is a way poor people live. I'm not communicating here. And there are people, Paul wrote the letter to these rich Christians. They were super rich. He used the symbolism of the wealth of the city. I told you that Ephesus was a cosmopolitan city and there was a lot of money. Commercial activity was going there. There was a lot of money. And he used that to communicate to the church that, listen, just as the city you live in is rich, God has also placed you in a place in Christ. Now that you are born again, just as you live in the city of Ephesus, a very rich city, if it is in our modern day, we'll call it uh, California. California has one of the biggest budgets for a city in the world. It's super, super, super rich. The rich and the famous live in California. And I think their GDP may even be bigger than Ghana. Yeah. California, one state, their GDP may be twice or three times bigger than Ghana. Super loaded. You can think of the same of Ephesus. Rich. And God says, these guys, I want you to know you are also rich like that. But because you don't know. So if you see the prayer Paul prayed, he prayed two important prayers. That the eyes of your understanding, that you may know Oh, that's all he was. Because it's not about what God was going to do. And a lot of us, we are still living our lives on what God will do for me. What God will do for me. But in Christ, God has finished. Somebody say, God has finished. You didn't understand what I'm saying. In Christ, God has finished. When Jesus hung on the cross, he spoke and said, it is finished. Concerning your health, it's finished. Concerning your finances, it is finished. Concerning your business, it is finished. Concerning our building project, it is finished. God has finished it. That's the reason for our faith. He's finished. He's not about what God is going to do. It's about our knowledge of what God has done. That's what he was talking about. That the eyes of your understanding, that you may know what is the hope. What is there for you? These Christians were rich, but they were living like poor people. So Paul needed to bring that reality to them. In the book of Ephesians alone, I said it occurs... 27 times. In fact, some people actually, and some Bible versions, you can find it about 38 times in the book of Ephesians. I usually would want to be conservative. And in the first three chapters, which symbolizes the wealth of the believer, it appears 25 out of the 27 times. That is why we can say that is the wealth of the believer. In the first three chapters, chapter 1, chapter 2, chapter 3, in him, through him, by him, for him, all of these appear about how many times? 25 times. If you are making notes, do make it because it will help you. I would want you to go back and study. That's my calling. My calling is when you hear me and finish, you should want to go and learn more. Yeah, no go and sleep. <laughs> no. Now, in chapter 1 alone, it appears 11 times. In chapter 1. And it's not even the whole of chapter 1. Chapter 1, verse 1 to 13, it appears 11 times. I didn't have time to be able to walk you through. Let's see a few of them quickly. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 1. Let's quickly read it together. One go. Paul, an apostle of, by the will of God. Uh huh. Good. The faithful in where? Okay, look at the next one. Verse 3. Everybody, let's read. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us. Say, I'm blessing Christ. Shout it like you mean it. I'm blessing Christ. Okay, so that's number three. Go. Verse seven to nine. In him. Somebody say, in him. Where are we? Let's go. He said, in him we have redemption the forgiveness in accordance with the riches of his grace. Okay. Verse 8. That he lavished on us with all wisdom and understanding. Verse 9. To us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure. Which Where? He purposed in Christ. So let's move on. 
chapter 1, verse 11 to 13. Let's go. In him, having the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will, verse 12, in order that we, who to put our hope where? In Christ, might be for the praise of his glory, verse 13. And you also were included where? Where have you been included? Somebody say, I'm in Christ. Oh, when you, when were you included? When you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation, when you believe you were marked in him, Oh, beautiful. Chapter 2, let's go. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in, in Christ Jesus. So why are you seated in Christ Jesus? In heavenly realms. Somebody say, I'm seated in heavenly realms. Verse 7. In order that in the coming he might show express Alright. Verse 10. Let's go. For we are God's handiwork. Oh. Created in Christ Jesus to do good works. Which God prepared in advance for us to do them. If you don't read them, I don't know what you want to do. It's, I mean, reading it itself is so enriching. How many of you are, are feeling it? You are, are I'm created in, I'm the handiwork of God. Can you imagine that? So I don't care. Somebody say, you look so fat and you are offended. I can be funded. My fatness is the handiwork of God. As long as it's not a product of my indiscipline, habit of eating and listen, and it's my natural uh, composure. Thanks be to God. I'm not communicating here. Yeah, it's the handiwork of God. I have never felt inferior to any human being. Never felt. White or black. No, 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 no. I'm the handiwork of God. Verse 13, let's go. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. So must we continue to sing, draw me nearer, nearer, blessed Lord. Oh, sing with me. Draw me where? Nearer, nearer, blessed Lord. Is it correct? Is it correct? That's it. You have been brought nigh. You are already near. The man lives in you and you are saying, draw me near to him. Draw me near to the man who lives in you. Because you are not conscious that he's there. Your circumstances has, has so eclipsed him in your life that you can't even feel his presence around you. Look at chapter 3 verse 6. This mystery is that through the gospel, the Gentiles are else together with Israel. Members together of one body and sharers together in the promise in Christ Jesus. Somebody say, I'm a shareholder. Ooh. Some people want to share in MTN. You're a shareholder in Christ. Yeah. Turn to your neighbor and say, I'm a shareholder in Christ. Shareholder in Christ. Shareholder in Christ. Chapter 3, verse 11. According to his eternal purpose that he accomplished in Good. Chapter 3, verse 21. To him in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. That is in Christ Jesus. Let's quickly look at in him. In him occurs eight times quickly. In him. Ephesians chapter 4, 1 verse 4. For he chose us for he chose us Ephesians 1 7 in him we have redemption. Somebody say I have redemption. Say I have redemption through his blood. I have forgiveness through his blood. Verse 11, 1 verse 11. In him, when you were also chosen, have it, somebody say, I'm chosen. I'm chosen. In him, Amen. verse 13. And you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believe, you were marked in him. Somebody say, I'll be marked in him. Ooh, death shall be far from you, yeah. accident shall be far from you. Yeah. Somebody says, Oh, you were traveling and I saw that you were involved in an accident. <laughs> Don't call pastor. Remember what I'm teaching. You have been marked in him. If you are marked, when Cain was marked after he committed murder, 
Cain, 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 Cain killed his brother and he deserved. If God had not been the God of grace, which he has always been, Cain had committed murder and what he deserved was death. And he lifted up his voice and God marked him. Marked Cain. And by God's mark on Cain, nobody could destroy Cain. Now listen, Apostle Paul said, I bear in my body the mark of the Lord Jesus Christ. And this man who was bearing in his body the mark of Jesus Christ, he went through, he was beaten three times with rods. Jesus received it once he died. He received it thrice. He didn't die. Shipwreck night and day. There was nothing the man could not survive because he was conscious of the fact that there was a mark on him. There was a mark on him. Listen, witches and wizards can destroy you. They've never been my prayer point. The Lord deliver me from any attack of the enemy because no attack. You don't attack a person that is marked. You don't go to a house where there are wild lions. You don't go to a house where they say, wild dogs are in this house. That's electric fence. You don't go there. You will never lose your sense as an armed robber and go there. Because you know when you go there, you don't come back. In Christ, you are marked like that. That's what the Bible said. No weapon fashioned against you shall prosper. Every tongue that rises against you in judgment shall be condemned. Why? Because you are marked. Somebody say, I'll be marked. Say, I'll be marked. I'll be marked. There's a mark on my life. In him. Come to verse 21 and 22. I've not started teaching this. When I start proper, you know. Look at this. In him, the whole building. Somebody say, in him. The whole building. Okay, verse 22. In him, you two are being built up. What are you doing? What is being done to you? You are built up. In Christ, you have to be what? Built up. You are not going down. Amen. I said you are not going down. Amen. You can only go up and up. Amen. Up and up. Amen. Up and up. Amen. You are being built up spiritually. Amen. You are being built up financially. Amen. You are being built up emotionally. Amen. You will never go down before your time. Amen. In the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Through him. Let's look at through him. No, chapter 3, verse 12. Chapter 3, verse 12. In him and through faith in him, we may approach God with freedom and confidence. How many of you sometimes feel that you don't deserve to approach God? Every time you feel like you don't deserve to approach God is because you have lost your consciousness of your location. I'm not saying go and sin, but even after fornication, when you remember that you are in Christ, you can still approach God. I'm not saying go and do that. But that, that, that is how God has made it. The moment you finish, if God bars you from approaching him after that, it means Satan has gotten you and he will condemn you. So God has given you access. That's why he said in Christ Jesus, you have forgiveness of sin. Forgiveness of sin is not given to you when you ask it. When you ask it, you are only acknowledging it. But forgiveness of sin is being credited to your account. That's why it's an insult to the finished work of Christ to pray for forgiveness about any matter twice. You are insulting the intelligence of God. He has already given it to you in advance. So when you miss a mark and you acknowledge it, you take it. I'm not communicating it. That's forgiveness. That's why a believer must never live under the guilt and bondage of sin. Never. Because the reason why a lot of people cannot approach God in freedom is because of the guilt and bondage. In him and through him we have faith. We have true faith in him. We may approach God with freedom and confidence. Somebody say freedom and confidence. Freedom and confidence. The Bible says, let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace. You must always remember that your father is sitting on the throne of grace. He's not sitting on the throne of judgment. For the believer, God will never sit in the throne of judgment. Can I tell you something? I said for the believer, God will never sit on the throne of judgment. Somebody say an amen. amen. You didn't understand it. I said for the believer, your father is not sitting on the throne of judgment. He is not sitting on the throne of judgment of condemnation. He is sitting on the throne of judgment of commendation. One day, we shall all appear before the judgment seat of Christ and we shall be rewarded. Can somebody say an amen? amen. So, so you see, listen, when you think about your father on the throne, think about what reward you receive. Don't think about judgment to hell. Oh, no, 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 no. There's no hell for the believer. Once you are born again in Christ, Jesus went to hell on your behalf. So you don't have to go to hell again. I'm not complicating it. That's the word of God. When you understand this and you begin to appropriate it, you will always come to God with boldness and confidence. Can somebody say an amen? amen. 
the thing is just bubbling in my heart. I don't know whether somebody really understands what I'm saying. I don't know how I can communicate it so your spirit can catch what I'm saying. A lot of us, instead of coming to God, when God is waiting for you, like the way the prodigal son's father was waiting for him, we are running off. We are running off. Because Satan is telling you, listen, you've gone too far. It's too deep what you did. It's too bad. There's no way God can accept you. Even if he accepts you, you will still go back. There's no way you can live up to it. Every time he tells you that, tell him that's where the cross is there. You see, that's why you don't come in yourself. You come in Christ. You see, Christ did everything right. So no matter how much wrong you do, you cannot undo what he did. I'm not communicating here. So never come to God in yourself. Always come to God in Christ. Somebody say an amen. The Bible said in him. Somebody say in him. And through him and through faith in him, we approach God. How are you approaching God? By yourself. Some of you, you come with your tights. I've been tightening. I've been giving efforts. You, you see, that's where your problem is. I've been fasting and praying. That's where your problem is. You see, all of those things are good, but they are not the basis for approaching God. You approach God on the basis of who Christ is. You stand in Christ and then you come with boldness. Because you see, no matter how good you have been, there is what we call the sin of omission. The Bible says, "He to him that knoweth good and doeth it not, it is sin unto him. There are some of you, you don't lie, you don't fornicate, but there are things that you should have done, but you didn't do. All of those things are sin. And if you don't even understand that, there is what the Bible called everything that is not of faith. Anything that you did and it was not of faith. You gave a seed, it was not of faith. You prayed, it was not of faith. You helped somebody, it was not of faith. The Bible says, whatsoever is not of faith is sin. So, when we look at sin in the biblical context, none of us can be free from it. The one who fornicated and the one who lied and the one who is not walking in love, all of them are on the same platform. But when we all come in Christ, when we all come in Christ, we can come with confidence. We can come with boldness. We can come without any shadow of guilt. Am I communicating here? That's who you are. In Christ, you'll come with boldness and confidence. Chapter 1, verse 4 into 5. That is through him. Somebody say through him. For he chose us in... Where were you chosen? Chosen in him. He chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. Did you see that? Did you see through Jesus Christ? All right. Now let's look at verse 18. Two verse 18. For through him we have. Somebody say, I have. Oh. Somebody say, oh. I have access. Say, I have access. Say, I have access. Listen. If you are a child of God, there is never a point where access to God can be denied you. Every time you have access. On your very good day, you have access. On your very bad day, you have access. You have access every time. When you have done everything well, access. When you have done everything bad, access. Why? Because God loves you. He enjoys your intimacy. You see, Adam was there and God came down to him. The Bible says God came to Adam in the cool of the day. Adam did not go to God. God came to him. So he wants you to just approach him freely. Access. Somebody say, I have acceptance. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 6, he said, to the praise and the glory of his grace, by whom he had made us accepted in their beloved. Somebody have acceptance. Say, I have acceptance. I'm accepted in the beloved. Say, I'm accepted in the beloved. Great. That's it. So, when we talk about in Christ, somebody say in Christ. We are simply describing to you your position. Somebody say your position. Yeah. Your position in Christ. What does it mean to be in Christ? Let me close quickly. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. It said, therefore, if any man is in Christ. Somebody say, if any man is in Christ. Now you have seen how it looks like in Christ. Have you seen that? Have you seen how it looks like in Christ? So he says, if any man is in Christ. If any man is in Christ. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. If any man is in Christ, he's a new creation. All things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. If any man, somebody say any man. Say if any man is in Christ, he's a new creation. When we say you are in Christ, what does it mean? Number one, to be in Christ is to have a new identity. Somebody say have a new identity. 
Say, I have a new identity. Say, I have a new address. Say it. I have a new address. Say, I have a new address. Yeah, you have a new location. Your location. Where are you located now? GPS. My GPS is Christ. Praise God. Somebody say, my GPS is Christ. Yeah. You have a new identity. You have a new identity. No longer do we know you by name. We know you by the name of Christ. You are a child of God. You are known through him. You are one with him. You see, that's why everything he is, you become because you are one. He is righteous, you are righteous. He is blessed, you are blessed. He is seated far above principalities and powers. You are seated far above principalities and powers. Why? Because you are in him. Somebody say you are in him. Now, listen, I am in this shoe now. Wherever I go, that's where this shoe will go. Anywhere this shoe is walking to now, that is where I am going. Because I am in the shoe. Praise God. I'm in Christ. If Christ is seated, I'm seated. If Christ is standing, I'm standing. If Christ is holy, I am holy. If Christ is not sick, I cannot be sick. If Christ could not die before his time, I cannot die. Am I communicating here at all? Now, that is what it means. You are identified with Christ. Number two. To be in Christ is to be deeply united with him. Somebody say deeply united. Say I'm deeply united with him. I like it when the Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 17, he says, he that is joined to the Lord is one spirit. <laughs> he that is joined to the Lord, you are joined to the Lord. You are one spirit with him. You enjoy such intimacy. In Ephesians chapter 1, verse 11, he said, furthermore, because we are united with Christ. Somebody say, I'm united with Christ. Say, I am united with Christ. That's it. You are united with Christ. That's what it means. To be in Christ is to be united with him. To be in Christ, number three, is to share in his inheritance. That is why we say you are rich. Somebody say, I am rich. I am rich. Say, I am, I am rich. Oh, you are not saying it like, it's as if you don't want to be rich. Say, I am rich. I am rich. I am super rich. Now, imagine that Donald Trump died and gave you his inheritance. How rich will you feel? How rich will you feel? Now, let me tell you something. What Christ has given you is more than what Donald Trump made available. You are super rich. That's why when you allow certain basic things to disturb you and you are worried and you are troubled, God is saying, sir, you are rich. You share in his inheritance. You see, (laughs) you didn't do anything to merit it. Look at what the Bible says in Romans chapter 8, verse 17. And since we are his children, somebody say we are his children. We are his heirs. And in fact, together with Christ, we are the heirs of God's glory. But if we share, we are to share his glory. We must also share his suffering. And we'll come back to look at that because next month we are going to be remembering his suffering. Somebody say, I am rich. I share in his glory. That's what it means. Everything he has, you have. Christ has not got sickness, so you can't have it. Christ has not got cancer, you can't take it. Am I communicating here? Christ has not got migraine, and that migraine is leaving you now. In the mighty name of Jesus. Christ is not broke, and you cannot be broke. Christ is not in debt. Every state of indebtedness that you find yourself in, receive liberty from it in the name of Jesus. Christ makes us wise and strong. I declare that between now and the end of the year, you enjoy divine strength. In the mighty name of Jesus. All through this season, your health shall be intact. In the mighty name of Jesus. In the mighty name of Jesus. Now just be on your feet for a moment. Christ is a location. Somebody say Christ is a location. Now, how do I enter the place? How do I enter into Christ? Praise God. The Bible said, as in Adam, all died. Even so, in Christ, all shall be made alive. Because I can't finish the service without doing that. If not for those of us who are here, there's somebody who is online who needs this. Look at this scripture with me, and then we will get into it. Look at this. Romans chapter 5. Verse 19. Just play that. I'm no longer a slave. Just play that. Romans 5. 
let's read it together. One go. One man disobeyed God, and many became in the same way. One man obeyed God, and many were made. Please, did you follow that? Now look at this. Adam was the one who and his wife ate the apple, and all of us became beneficiaries. Read Romans 3:23. It said, For all have sinned and have come short of the glory of God. Why? Because Adam sinned. All of us have sinned. Now, anybody who is born in Adam is born a sinner. Anyone born in Adam is born a sinner. And anyone born in Christ is born a saint. Anyone born in Christ is born a saint. Anyone born in Christ. One man had learned so much. His name, you know his name? His name was Nicodemus. He went to Jesus. He was a master of the law. He knew the law so well. And then he spoke to the Lord. He said, should I enter my mother's womb again to be born? No. Jesus said, except a man be born of the spirit and of the water. He cannot enter. So to enter into Christ, you have to be born again. When you entered into Adam, how did you enter into Adam? Through natural birth. You were born into Adam as a sinner. Now you are born into Christ as a saint. Praise God. Praise God. Is somebody understand what I'm saying this morning? Now, maybe you are here this morning. Every head bow, every eye closed. You have not made Jesus your Lord. You have been born once and you want to be born twice. You want to make Jesus your Lord and Savior. Or maybe you are on, online and you want to make Jesus your Lord and Savior. You want to put your faith in the Lord now. Lift up your hands wherever you are. You want to make Jesus your Lord and Savior. You want to be born into him. Lift up your hands if you are in the auditorium. If you are online, I will just have you say this after me. Say, Lord Jesus, let's all say it together with the online audience. Lord Jesus, I thank you for the privilege of your word. I open my heart and I respond to your love. I confess you as my Lord and Savior. Thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name. Pastor Afuakwa has just placed in your hands the key for all-round victory, success, and limitless prosperity. Share your testimonies with us on 020-422-5790 or email us at embassyoflifechapel at gmail.com. Get interactive with Pastor Afuakwa on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. For more information, visit our website at www.embassyoflife.org. Fellowship with us this and every Sunday for our service at our headquarter church from 8.30 a.m. to 11 a.m. for our good news service. And on Wednesdays for our discovery service from 6 p.m. to 8 p.m. Our church auditorium is located on the top floor of Nanama Ejakuma Plaza opposite the Unity Oil Station, Santasa Runabout, Kumasi, Ghana. Alternatively, you can join us online for our services on Embassy of Life Chapel, Facebook or YouTube pages. God richly bless you. Oh, no,